Everyone has an opinion when it comes to having a baby and raising kids. Just get the epidural. There's no prize for doing it natural. In my day, we just let the baby cry until they settle themselves down. Have you tried sage oil? And so many more comments, most of them unsolicited. Welcome to the Birth and Parenting Things podcast. My name is Kim, and I've got opinions too. I'm kind of an expert on birth. I've also managed to raise three babies into young adults. I'm here to offer evidence-based information, stories, personal experiences on birth, parenting, and everything in between. So let's do this. Okay, let's try this again. I'm not going to tell you what happened when I hit record the last time I tried this. All right, so what has been going on? Let's see. Uh, oh yeah, I'm fully vaccinated, blah, 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 blah. God, I'm so happy about that. Um, got my second shot yesterday, got Pfizer. Look at, look at me. Um, so I got my second shot and... Uh, my arm is ridiculously sore and everybody, everybody's going to be, uh, um, what was I talking about? Oh my God. So I got my second shot and everybody is saying that, um, you know, oh my God, the side effects, the side effects, the side effects. Well, I literally have no time for side effects. I currently have a sore arm and maybe a headache brewing. I'm not entirely sure. I had some tea this morning, so that it seems to have calmed that down. So probably not uh, shot related. But I also have like, I have to take my uncle to a CT scan today. So I'm going to need every ounce of patience and energy that I have to get through that. Um, thankfully he was feeling a little bit better when I talked to him on Wednesday. So fingers crossed. Um, and I got to teach tomorrow. So I'm teaching, uh, a second class tomorrow. So I'm very excited about that to, uh, teach that class. Um, and just take a listen. Do you hear anything? No, because I'm in the house by myself. The children are gone. My two sons, now that both my sons have work, they are at work at the same time. Um, my poor, <laughs> my middle son, oh, Jack's still here. You'll hear him. Um, my middle son is uh, working at McDonald's, I think I mentioned, and uh, he just wants part-time. Like, he just wants a little bit of pocket money. <laughs> you remember pocket money. He just wants a little bit of pocket money um, to, you know, buy his stuff with because I can't keep. I can't keep footing the bills for him. And and plus, the bigger he gets, the more expensive the stuff he wants is. So that can't happen. But he gets his schedule for next week and he's got 39 hours. Not 40. <laughs> 39. Because at 40, they have to start paying him as a full-time employee and benefits and shit. So, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Um, and yeah, so he's got 39 and boy, is he pissed. Um, yeah, he's it's like, sorry, honey, welcome to adulting 101. This is kind of the way life is. I'm like, you need to tell them that, you know, you need X, this day off and that day off and get yourself some, some days off so that you aren't working so much. But you can't tell them, hey, I don't want to work because then you're, guess what? You're not working. But... I'm guessing he's doing a pretty good job because his buddy is also working there too, but doesn't have near the amount of uh, hours that he has. So 
I mean, good for him. Um, unfortunately, it means, you know, I've become an Uber driver, basically, is the way it is. So when you pick up your teenager, so for those that still have babies, when you pick up your teenager, I don't know, it'll be like, you know, 15 years from now, but <clears throat> when you pick up your teenager from work and they've got their, you know, their little McDonald's uniform on and their polyester pants and whatnot and their cell phone in their hand, and who knows, maybe at that point it's, you know, digitally inserted in their into their head or something. Um, and that's basically what they do. They get on their phone because they haven't been on it all day because they haven't been able to be on it. They get on their phone. They're basically, that's all they're doing. And you're driving along going, so how was your, how was your day today? How was work? Blah, blah, blah. And you're, you know, trying to engage them in conversation and their face is in their phone and they're like, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. I'm like, I don't even bother trying anymore. My poor, <laughs> my poor mom picked him up yesterday. And, uh, yeah, she just talked his ear off (laughs) and, uh, I'm not sure how he felt about that. Don't care. It's the only way he's going to get picked up. And yes, he could take the bus. It's basically five minutes from our house. He could technically walk home, but it is quite hot. Um, but for now with COVID and, and whatnot, I'm trying to be just a little bit more cautious. So I'm trying to drop them off and yeah, they need to have freaking driver's licenses too. But I've sort of laid that into the hands of my ex-husband, so whatever. And speaking of my ex-husband, that is where my daughter is. She's off to the cottage with him and his family this week, so that's fun. Not the week, just the weekend. Um, And yeah, now I'm getting divorced, so we're currently just separated. We've been separated for eight years, Um, but he has recently asked for a divorce, so that's fun. Whatever. Um... It is what it is, and uh, and for some ungodly reason, wants to come into my house and see if there's anything he left behind when he left, when he stole out in the middle of the night. Um, I took the kids up to, uh, I did a training in Blue Mountain, because uh, I used to train doulas a million years ago, and I went to a... Uh, did a doula training in Blue Mountain and then came down to get them um, after he had had them for a couple of days. And while we were gone, he like went through the house and cleared everything out and whatnot. He'd already left, like that was fine, but he came to get the rest of his stuff. And now eight years later, he wants to come in and and rifle through the house again to see if there's anything he wants. Um, No, sorry, (laughs) not gonna happen. I'll see if there's anything in the crawl space for you, but mm, no, you're not coming back in. Sorry. Um, I'll give you the stereo. He wants the stereo, which is fine. It's not like I ever use it. God knows if the thing even works. It's probably so cluttered with dust, but whatever. I'm like, no, you're not coming into my house. So it's been kind of a roller coaster ride of being really, really up and being really, really down and then being sort of neutral and then being up again. So clearly right now I'm in an up phase so that's all right so I thought I didn't really I was sitting there last night and I thought I don't really have a topic so what the hell topic am I gonna do so I thought maybe since I was just texting with my daughter who's on her way in the car on her way up and we're trying to figure out if she has enough um, data to be able to watch Love Island tonight because that's what we do we've been watching Love Island. Don't judge me. It's hilarious. Um, And I get to talk, when I watch it with my kids, I get to talk to them about what real relationships are supposed to be like. Of course, you know, 
being divorced. I'm not really an expert. Um, but I get to talk about how, you know, women should be treated and, and things like that. So it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a good sort of learning lesson. Um, plus you just get to laugh because these people are so incredibly ridiculous. But anyways, so, um, texting with her, I thought, you know what, maybe we'll tell her birth story today. So I haven't really, I mean, I'm 21 episodes in and I haven't, I've only sort of alluded to a few things in the births that I have done myself. And I heard someone say, you know, God, I love listening to birth stories. So I thought, all right, well, let me tell you my birth story. So I'm going to start with hers. And then maybe next week, if a new, if another topic doesn't sort of jump into my lap, um, I'll tell my middle sons. And then again, again, if a topic doesn't jump into my lap, I'll talk about, um, the, my other, my, my first son. So we'll go from sort of good, great, not so great. All right. So my daughter was born, um, at the end of August and we were actually, because I had already known what, the deal was with inductions. I'd already been through it twice already. Um, it kind of made sense. We didn't have gestational diabetes. We didn't have any reason to do it um, beyond the fact that it was something I was already aware of. It was, I guess, the devil you know, right? Not that I think inductions are bad, to be completely honest. I 100% don't. Probably one of the few doulas that doesn't. Um, but I think there's a time and a place for them. Now, in our case, um, Allie was... oh. In our case, um, we, she was measuring big as well. And of course my first son was, you know, just under 10 pounds and, uh, I was, I'll be honest, I was a little terrified that what happened the first time would happen again. So we ended up being induced. I think she was actually induced on her due date. I think my middle son was, my middle son was a little bit before, and she was actually on her due date. So we went in, pretty sure it was a Friday, to be honest, went in to have our waters broken. So we didn't have midwifery care this time. We did with my first son, but for my other two, we went with obstetrical care. Went in and I was to have my waters broken. No problem, had those broken and then walked around for a little bit. So this was right now the way inductions go. You kind of get your waters broken if that's the spot where you're at. You get your waters broken and then Pitocin is automatically started. 16 years ago, seven, almost 17 years ago, um, you had your waters broken and you were walking around. You walked around for a bit. So we broke the waters in triage. Like it, we weren't actually in a room yet. We broke them in triage, and then we got admitted into a room, dumped all our stuff in the room. And where we birthed was, it wasn't a birthing center per se, but it was sort of a, um, at the time, it was a little bit more um, upscale than, say, old school labor and delivery units. They're all sort of like this now, but at the time, this particular hospital, this was kind of new for everything. And actually, this particular hospital's uh, birthing unit just closed down, which is really sad because they were one of the few in Toronto that actually did water birth. So it's really upsetting. They had the, they had 
were doing water births for probably a couple of years. They had a, they redid the entire unit, um, had tubs and all of that stuff installed and whatnot, and then they just closed it down. And I was like, okay, that makes zero sense. I don't know what kind of money you think you're saving at that point because the birthing unit that they kept open within the same health network is crap, but whatever. Anyways, um, so... We got admitted into the room and we walked around for a couple of hours and the contractions slowly started to increase and increase and increase, which was good. Um, but of course, they're never as fast as anybody wants them to be. They're never as you know strong as anybody wants them to be. So I ended up being put on Pitocin, um, which is, again, eventually after a couple of hours. And then and things really kind of took off at that point because my body again my body had already done it before two times before it knew the deal um it was aware of what was happening my mind was aware um and open to what was happening and uh and I kind of you know labored very very quickly now with this particular birth I really wanted to try to not do this with any pain medication. It wasn't necessarily, um, I was open to using it. Um, but I thought, you know, this is the last time I'm going to do this. So let's, let's see what happens. Let me see how things go. So I labored along and it was difficult. Um, I was kind of stuck in bed, which I, I regret doing. I regret being on Pitocin and being stuck in bed. Um, yes, I was being monitored continuously and baby was being monitored continuously. But I realize now after being a doula that that didn't have to happen in the bed. That could have been outside the bed. And I remember laying there with my partner standing in front of me and he was wearing blue jeans and a brown leather belt. And it was the, it was the early 2000s. And I remember holding on to that leather belt and holding on to it with all dear life every time a contraction came on and twisting it. The poor boy must have lost a rib or broke a hip with me twisting on this. Um, but he stood beside me the whole time and... Um, put up with it. I think he realized <laughs> if he said anything, he was going to get a punch in the face. Um, but that continued on. And then it came time to push. I mean, this birth in itself was fairly quick. I got in, my waters were broken at eight. Let's see, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fourteen, fifteen, one, two, three, four. So all told, the birth was about eight hours. So I didn't push for very long. Um, when it started to get that pushy feeling, they checked and said, yep, we're going to push. And I guess being a third baby as well, you didn't have to wait too long for the doctor to show up because baby was pretty much right there, surprisingly enough. And the, let's see, the, um, while I was pushing, now, of course, keep in mind, this birth was unmedicated and for like almost eight hours. My partner had not been able to go to the bathroom, had not been able to drink anything, had not been able to eat anything, even though he should have. Um, he was very attentive and very good in the labors itself. But as a result, and when it comes time to push, and I do this too with my clients, and I know I shouldn't, um, and if you are a partner and you're with your partner who's pregnant and pushing, you kind of 
push with them. So you'll you'll sort of breathe in with them and you'll go and you'll push down and bear down with them. But unfortunately, you're not necessarily bearing down because you'll probably poop yourself if you do. But you'll have all that pressure sort of building up in your head as they are pushing. And as a result, my partner was doing this and he ended up fainting, going clear over fainting. And so he was on the ground um, and I'm like my legs up in the air and whatnot thinking, what the hell is going on? And of course, at that moment, it all became about him. And the nurses are rushing over to get him into a chair and all this stuff. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I'm literally sitting here with my vagina out and the baby sitting in it. And I wanted this to be sort of, you know, the birth. (coughs) Pardon me. Since my other two were, well, my one was very good. Um, My first one was crap. But I thought, you know, this is it. This is the last time I'm doing this. I kind of wanted it to be, you know, the way I wanted it to be. But alas, that is not necessarily what happened. So they picked him up off the floor, um, literally picked him up off the floor, sat him in a chair. And I remember him standing beside me and um, he was cheering me on like, yeah, you're doing a great job. You're doing good. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh my God, shut up. Like, I don't even want to hear from you at this point. Like you're killing me. And then the I'm pushing and a nurse, I remember a nurse walking in and saying, talking to the doctor about, you know, changes and shifts and things like that. I'm not sure why. I'm pretty sure that's what they were talking about. I'm not sure why, but that's what was going on. And I thought, seriously, again, really? This is, why is this not about me? Um... And then she came out and she went straight on my chest and I remember sort of having her there and we had had a couple of names for her. We weren't sure what we were going to call her. We had, uh, she was easier to name than the boys because when you're, when your husband's a teacher, tons of names are immediately eliminated um, just based on because of a certain kid in his class. But we were, we had a couple of names and we didn't, we hadn't settled on any particular one. So, you know, I remember stand, him standing beside me and her on my chest and, and looking at her and it's like, yeah, is it, I don't want to say her name. Um, but, and he looked at her and was like, yeah, I think it is. So we did that. My mother hated the name to be completely honest. Um, my mother hates her middle name. And to be honest, Grandma, you can hold that crap to yourself. <laughs> um, oh, is that the name? Oh, I really don't like that. Shut up. It's not your choice. I love you, Mom, but it's not your choice. And while I respect and love you and you've been such an amazing help in my life, um, this is the name I've chosen for my child. So enough. Um And then when we were at the hospital, um, everything was going, seemed to be going well. Um, She really didn't lose too much weight. So we were able to take her home. And this was really unusual for us because my first two sons were actually in the NICU um, 
My first son, immediately after the birth, because you'll find out when I actually tell that story, he never, he kind of went there and stayed there for a week. And then my second son, when we were being discharged, or he was being looked at over by the pediatrician, which happens in at least at one point during your during your postpartum stay. And um, he, oh, he was getting a, he had gotten a fever. He had a infection. So the, um, he ended up staying in the NICU for a week as well on antibiotics. Then with my daughter, we were, they were actually going to let us home. And I literally remember standing there with her in the car seat going, are you actually letting us leave? Like we get to go home. Is that right? I was confused, literally confused. So we ended up getting home and that night, uh, or actually we went through one night, not great. And then the second night sitting there feeding her and she just wasn't eating. She just wasn't consuming anything and she would spit everything up and it had my other two sons had gotten formula so I didn't care like that was not I'm not like you know super pro breastfeeding it's got to be breastfeeding or nothing but we had already had formula in stock so we tried to uh, even give her a bottle no that wasn't happening either she was spinning that up so I made the decision to take her to the hospital and it was about back to the hospital that we had birthed at and it was about let's see it was about uh 10 11 o'clock at night um and she was wailing and would not take any food even the formula in a bottle at this point she wasn't taking that either and anything that did go in came up so midnight run back to the hospital just me um because my partner was home with the boys um and went through emergency. Um, they looked at her. She seemed okay. Um, things like that. But they spoke to the pediatrician who had been our pediatrician when we were in hospital. Like I don't, we don't, the kids don't have a pediatrician. They have a family doctor, but he was the one that had looked after sort of all the other two as well. And he said, uh, look, let's, let's admit and we'll take it from there. So usually what will happen is because we had left the hospital and come back, they usually won't put babies back. They usually won't put babies in the NICU if they've left and come back. So what actually happened was we were supposed to go into pediatrics. Now in pediatrics, that would limit my ability to sort of be with her and breastfeed her. Um, but this particular doctor said, okay, well, look, let's try and figure something else out. And by now it was like daytime, like it was early, early morning daytime. So what they ended up doing is, and I kind of feel bad, but I'm really happy that they did this, um, is they ended up clearing out there was a, in this particular NICU, the way it was designed at the time, um, there was all the incubators sort of lined up and then there was a room just off to the side and that was the feeding room. That was the pumping room. That was where, um, the, 
moms would go or the feeding parents would go to breastfeed their baby and pump. So what they did was they cleared that room out um, and put her in there in sort of isolation sort of um, for, hold on a second. Sorry, my cat was just on the table trying to dig into a bag that had nothing in it. But anyways, so they cleared out this room and sort of put us in there in isolation. So we kind of had our own little room and I ended up getting a, a sleep room where it's basically a hospital bed. Um, it was, I, it was a semi-private room, but there was nobody else in there. It was just me. Um, and you don't like, you're not admitted, but you are, um, (laughs) I threw, I, (laughs) to get my cat off the table, I threw my breast model, my boob model, um, at my cat and he's now picked it up and was walking around the living room with it in his mouth. This is the life of a birth worker. Anyways, so I had a sleep room and I was in there. So they don't feed you or anything. You're not admitted. You can come and go as you please. But I, um, so I was in there and and feeding her constantly. And it turns out, so she had lost um, a significant amount of weight in the, it was more than 10%. She was losing weight sort of fairly quickly and because she wasn't eating for like days and I mean I felt awful but I'm also proud that I was like nope this isn't right we got to go get this fixed so when we went into um when we went back into the hospital I was sort of with two lactation consultants um helping and supporting and what it seemed to be happening is every time she opened her mouth her tongue would go to the roof of her mouth. So definitely not tongue tied. And what would happen is because you can't necessarily see what you're doing, my nipple would slip underneath her tongue, which meant that she wasn't actually getting any food out of my breast. And the same thing was kind of happening with the bottle as well. And yes, some stuff was going in, um, but she wasn't, the sucking mechanisms and whatnot weren't really working for her. So anything that did go in as well, she kind of threw up as um, on top of things. And it, that part may have been me overfeeding her. I don't know. But we worked with a lot. We worked with two different lactation consultants. Um, and we started with, and this is, this is the thing I really hate about things now, the way things are being done now. So at the time we were there, they, she didn't have an infection or anything, but they wanted to get her birth weight up. So we stayed. Um, for almost a week and we were getting feeding working and they had given me a nipple shield. So I know that there's, I certainly see it a lot of lactation consultants and whatnot, just especially those that work in hospitals, like throwing nipple shields at you and saying, here, this will work fine. However, with nipple shields, there's issues, there's, there's concerns. And because Yes, it can help get latches sort of working. However, with the nipple shield, it can actually lower your supply because the breast isn't necessarily being stimulated the same way it would if it wasn't there. And the other thing that happens is they put you on these nipple shields and they send you home and they say, good luck to you. However, they don't have a plan for you to get off the nipple shield, to fix things so that you don't have to have it. 
When I was there, you know, almost 17 years ago now, I wasn't allowed to leave the hospital until I was off the nipple shield. I wasn't allowed until there was a plan in place that I wouldn't be using this any longer. And when I left the hospital, yes, we were still using it occasionally um, if things were really not going well, but we had to be, things had to be working before we left the hospital. Breastfeeding had to be working before we left the hospital. That's not the way it is now. So 17 years later, basically it's, okay, baby's getting food in, here's some formula for you, goodbye. So we've given you the mechanism to feed your baby. It's not necessarily breastfeeding, which is what you'd like to do, but here's some formula so your baby doesn't starve to death. It's like, what has happened here? Now I know it's probably because of, um, you know, staffing shortages and, and, you know, all of this stuff and the, and nurses being overworked and all of that. And I, I 100% get that. And I am, I am sad that this is what we have grown into in our hospital systems, but we got to step back and we got to fix this. And I mean, my greatest, my greatest wish, um, if I actually had any balls to do this would be to approach hospitals and say, look, in postpartum, can we have a doula or a couple of doulas, you know, on staff that walk around and help people breastfeed? I know nurses don't have time for this. And lactation consultants should be saved for when things are really not going well. But have the doulas who are experienced in breastfeeding, um, and I know I'm not using inclusive language, but are experienced in breastfeeding to help these families get started right so that they can go home with some confidence and some things in place that's actually going to move them forward but that's not what's happening and that's not likely what's going to happen so um so yeah after almost a week i think it was about a week um we ended up you know feeding feeding was going well um, she was back to her birth weight. We were moving in the right direction. I used the nipple shield maybe every now and then. And then we were able to go home and sort of start our lives together. But that feeling of, you know, when we walked out of the hospital with her the first time was like, are they going to stop us? I feel like they're going to stop us. There must, I don't know if there was something in me going, we shouldn't be leaving. Um, but we certainly did end up going back. So that is the birth story of my one and only daughter who is an absolute wonder and a joy and the love of my life as all my children are um i fed her at the chest for nine months the longest i did with all my kids and i really enjoyed it and i really liked it and it was really sort of a, a special time between the two of us where we could just sort of stop the world could stop and and piss off for the small periods of time towards the end especially when we were actually feeding so um yeah she's almost 17 years old she will be 17 next month and she is funny and smart and she is a social justice warrior. Um, she will tell you if you are being an ass right to your face. Um, she maybe has a little too much confidence, I think. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's funny, many years ago when she was quite little, because she was ridiculously adorable, um, big, huge blue eyes, blonde hair, I took her to um, a modeling agency or like talent agency 
and uh just to, and she was very excited about it she wanted to she wanted to be on tv she wanted to do these things so we went and of course yes she was ridiculous ridiculously adorable and beautiful but she also looked like everybody else like i guess they were they were going for something completely different um which was fine but boy was she sad <laughs> And we were driving home. She's in the back in her car seat. And she's maybe about seven or eight maybe at this point. And yeah, she was kind of in tears. And of course, I had to, you know, boost her up and, and talk her up and whatnot. And it was kind of at that point that her her whole sort of thing changed. And she just became this, you know, powerhouse kick-ass kid who you know had an overinflated sense of how awesome she was not that it's necessarily overinflated because she is actually awesome but it's almost like that took any shyness or self-doubt or anything in her head and shoved it straight out the window because she is very self-assured and very very self-aware of who she is and I love that about her. Um, so I think while I regret having taken her, I think it was maybe a good idea um, and got her sort of getting um, getting to this point where she's an amazing, amazing kid. And yeah, that's, that's the story of my daughter. So um, yeah. I, if anybody has any stories they want to share, um, you Barbados person, if you want to email us at uh, birthandparentythings at gmail.com, please feel free. Um, I'd love if anybody could, you know, right now, just, you know, go to, if you're listening on Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, just go down and um, click a click a review in there or, you know, give me some stars. I have no, no review, no stars, no nothing. Um, it would be super awesome if you could do that. And let me see. Um, you know what? I have no star reviews, but I haven't even reviewed myself. What? I'm an idiot. Anyways, so maybe next week, again, if nothing sort of comes up in the meantime, maybe next week I will, uh, I'll tell you my middle son's birth story. It's uh, is very quick and boring. Uh, I may have to have a second topic in there as well. And also remember that if you are pregnant and you are looking for some learning, uh, I have on the torontodoulagroup.com slash video dash classes, there is a self-learning portal there. And there is a video on um, inductions, medical inductions. And I also have two, uh, two videos on our freebies page or through the same learning portal um, that is, we'll have for creating a birth plan and a hospital packing list. So not just a, there is a printable ho hospital packing list that you can get with it, but listen to the video because it'll talk to you about sort of why we're suggesting these things. So you can do that through torontodoulagroup.com slash freebies. All right. So check those out and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Toronto Doula Group. And yeah, just go now and 
just hit those five stars and uh, hit subscribe. And uh, yeah, even if, just hit subscribe because even if you never listen to another one of these again, it still comes up. So that's it. I am going to, I don't know what to do now with my house that's all empty and quiet. I should probably clean something, I suppose. Um, blah. Anyways, have a good one. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Still wear a mask. We're still not out of the woods yet. And I hope everybody has a good one. Bye now.